Shall we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for dying our death that we may live your life. We thank you for wisdom, we thank you for understanding, we thank you for a broken and a contrite heart, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, we thank you for the grace to stay in your presence. We thank you that we can call you Father, and we pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our midst, in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless us all for being around for this week. And I believe we have been learning a lot and we want to continue our study on love. And I really appreciate I've been getting testimonies. I've been getting DMs and PMs and all the rest. And we really bless God that you have committed to joining us even as we study the word of God. Feel free whenever I have any question, any comment. If you're on the Telegram channel, if you're not, you can find us on Telegram, the household of the Father. You can just get in touch with us if you want any clarity or any other contribution. So we are continuing our study on love and we'd like to invite Benji, even as it takes us through another episode on love. Thank you for this opportunity. And it's my prayer that the Lord would imbibe his words in our heart today and we would say with the psalmist that your word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Amen. All right. Um, so... I believe we've studied a lot so far and today is our fourth episode on the series Love and we began by looking at the meaning of love from the first episode. We looked at the origin of love and then we narrowed down on the agape love, that's the God kind of love. And then we looked at the Christian identity, we looked at the litmus test and today we want to look at a very intriguing subject and the subtitle for today is love and last we want to look at the difference between love and last because most of the time what we actually think is love might not be love and that is why we've taken time to really expound on the subject of love so we want to look at last as well which sometimes presents or looks like love but actually it's not love so we have I'll we'll be looking at two case studies or examples from the Bible that helps us to grasp the understanding of or gives us perfect scenario of love and then last. Yeah, so before we begin, since before I did look at the meaning of love from our previous episode, I want us to look at the meaning of last and then we move straight to our case studies for tonight. All right, so when you look at the meaning of last, when you look at the Maria Webster dictionary, it talks about last being an intense or an unbridled sexual desire, or it can be a craving for anything. So it's not just about sexual desire or anything that has to do with sex that is called last. But when you are craving for something, you can also define it as last. All right, so it can be anything. It can be money, it can be food, anything at all. So when you read the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, it gives us an example of last. So the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. 
for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own last shall they heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears. So yeah, you can see the word last year. That talks about this, but they, but after their own last, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears. So here they are not lasting after any sexual desire or for money. But they would last after things that they want to hear from themselves. That was Paul speaking about how in the end people would shun true doctrine or sound doctrine and going for things that they want to hear from themselves, which we are actually seeing in our world today. Another example is also found in the book of First Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptations, and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. The verse 10 says, Love of money is the root of all evil, which while some converted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So Paul again was speaking here and was talking about how those who will be rich or rich people I was talking about how they can easily fall into temptation and do a lot of foolish and then lustful activities yeah so it's not actually that um, being rich is something evil but he was trying to caution christian that if you want to be rich you have to be very uh, vigilant because you are treading on a very slippery path and then you can fall into many stuff that you don't want to do or things that you are not supposed to do as a Christian. So here he was talking about the last after money and then he went on to talk about the love of money being the root of evil, not money. Yeah, so we have to be very particular when we are reading scripture. A lot of us quote the scripture out of context. He was talking about the love of money being the root of evil. So money is not the root of evil, but it is the love that we attach to it become the root of evil and even jesus christ spoke about how money is a god that is called mammon and he spoke about how if you serve that god mammon you cannot serve god that you can't serve two masters at the same time you either have to serve god or serve mammon yeah so being rich is not bad but if you are not careful and then you fall for the love of money then you are going to go into last and then you are going to drift from the faith yeah so this last was talking about money then there's also another scripture I want us to see from the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. The Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of this world. So again here, Pastor John spoke to us about we not loving the world, but loving or having the love of the Father in us. Because if you love the world, that means you are alienated from God. And if you love the Father, then you are alienated from the world, even though you are in the world. He talked about three important points that we have to look at. That the things that are in the world, he summarized the major issues that pertain to this world. And the first one was the last of the flesh. So as I said in the beginning, that we have different types of last. So he spoke about the last of the flesh. And he also spoke about the last of the eye, which is quite fascinating because I think that the eye is supposed to be part of the flesh. So he could have just 
boxed the two of them into one. Just say the last of the flesh, and then we know that the last of the eyes is part of the last of the flesh. But he separated them and then made them stand on their own, which is very key. But that means he wants us to understand that the last of the flesh is entirely different from the last of the eyes. And it's very, very important that we take note of this. Um, because when you read the gospel, Jesus spoke about how the eyes are the lights of the body. And if your light is full of light, then your whole body is, or the body becomes whole. But if the body lacks light, then the whole body becomes darkness. And even cautioned us to be very careful that the light that we have be not darkness. Yeah. So sometimes you think that what you have is light, but actually it's coming with darkness. There are a lot of things that just your eyes can make you do. And when you look at Jesus Christ speaking about the upgrade of the law in the era of grace, he talked about how you can, um, or in the Old Testament, you just had to um, maybe lie with a woman before we know that you have committed adultery. But in the New Testament, with just your eyes, you can last after a woman and then that means you have sinned. So it's very, very important that we get to know the distinctions between the last of the flesh and the last of the eyes. All right. So, and one reason why I wanted us to also look at last is that from the book of James, you get to understand that last is the origin of our temptations. Last is the origin of our temptations. So anytime you get tempted, that means it is your last or your fleshly desire that have pulled you into that situation. So I want us to read that scripture. That's from the book of James chapter 1 verse 14. Okay, it says, okay, let me start from the verse 13. It says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away from his own lust and enticed. Verse 14 again, it says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Yeah, so you have to get this understanding that you get tempted when you, your lust draws you to that sin. That is when you are going to get tempted, yeah. So temptations do not come from God, but it's because of our own lust and fleshly desires that we are pulled towards this temptation and then trials, yeah. So it's very important that we get to know these truths so that we can keep our lastly or our fleshly desires and that will prevent us from getting into temptations. All right, so I want us to move straight to our first case study for today that I took from the book of 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1 to 20. And that is the case study that talks about lusts. Um, the passage that gives us a very clear, vivid example of the situation of lust that happened in the scriptures. We actually have two case studies, so I'll be reading both of them, but we start with the one in Second Samuel chapter 13, verse 1 to 20. Yeah, so I want us to draw a distinct dichotomy between these two subjects, that's love and lust, so we can get the difference and know what we are actually doing at any point in time. So just a summary of this, and I believe most of us have heard this passage that is about David's son and then a daughter, that's Amnon and then Tamar. And it talks about how Amnon took advantage of his own sister or half-sister, then had his way with her. That led to a long 
standing vendetta in the family of David. Yeah. And so you can see the repercussions of last are very severe and no one would want to enter into such a situation. All right, so I'm reading from the book of Second Samuel, chapter 13, verse 1 to 20. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. And I'll be alternating between the Amplified Version and then the Message Bible. So please kindly bear with me. All right, so verse 1. It says, It happened afterwards that Absalom, the son of David, had a beautiful sister, whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, her half-brother, the son of David, was in love with her. Yeah, so the word used here is that Amnon was in love with Tamar. But when you read other versions, you get to know that it wasn't actually love. But yeah, when you read the message version, it says, sometime later this happened, Absalom, David's son, had a sister who was very attractive. Her name was Tamar. Amnon also, David's son, was in love with her. Amnon was obsessed with his sister, Tamar to the point of making him sick over her. So this version used the word obsessed. Yeah, okay, so let's move back to the amplified version. All right, so Amnon was so frustrated because of his half-sister that he made himself sick for she was a virgin. Amnon thought it's impossible for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimi, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very shrewd, cunning man. He said to Amnon, Why are you the king's son? So depressed morning after morning. Will you not tell me? And Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my half-brother, Absalom's sister. Jonadab said to him, Go to bed and pretend you are sick. And when your father David comes to see you, say to him, Just let my sister Tamar come and serve me food. And let her prepare it in my sight so that I may see it and eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let my sister Tamar come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight so that I may eat from her hand. Yeah, so from the verse 1 to verse 7, I want us to look at Amnon's friend. That was Jonadab. And this man or guy gave I'm not a very, uh, should I say, a dark counsel. Yeah, he gave Amnon a deceitful way to lure Tamar into Amnon's chamber and then have his way with her. And it's very important because I want us to take note of our friendship. And if Amnon had a very good friend, I'm sure this advice or counsel would not have come onto the scene. Uh, but because he had this. Bible speaks about him as being shrewd or cunning. He had this friend, and then this friend gave me very bad advice to lure Tamar into his chamber. So it's very, very important that we take note of the friends that we take. Yeah, when you look at the Gospels, I think there was a situation where um, Jesus Christ went to preach, and the people pressed out on him like the crowd was huge. And there was a paralyzed man with his friends. And they wanted to bring the man to Jesus Christ so that he could heal him. But the crowd was large, so they couldn't get close to Jesus. So they had to break the roof of the house in which Jesus Christ was. And then lower down the earth to Jesus Christ so that the man would be healed. And definitely the man was healed. When you read the scripture, I would say that when Jesus Christ saw the faith of his friends, yeah, that's in the book of Mark chapter 2 verse 4. 
So in this scenario too, we see that friendship plays a very key role in our lives. It's very, very important that we are very particular about the friends that we take. Also, a scenario in the book of John chapter 5, yeah, talks about the man at the pool of Bethsaida. said to Jesus Christ that I have no man who would help me to get to with us. Anytime the angel came to stay up the waters, yeah, you are supposed to get in the water to get it, but he had no man to help him. Yeah, so it's very important that your friends get to understand that your friends can make and they not make you. All right, so we are continuing from verse eight. All right, so it says, So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house and he was in bed. And she took dough and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and baked them. She took the pan and dished them out before him. But he refused it, and Amnon said, Have everyone leave me. So everyone left except Tamar. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into the bedroom, so that I may eat from your hand. So Tamar took the cakes she had made and brought them into the bedroom of her half-brother, Amnon. Verse 11, he says, When she brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said, Come, lie with me, my sister. She replied, No, my brother, do not violate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. As for me, how could I get rid of my shame and disgrace? And you, you will be considered one of the fools in Israel. So now just speak to the king about taking me as your wife, for he will not withhold me from you. But he would not listen to her. And since he was stronger than she, he violated her and lay with her. Then Amnon became extremely hateful toward her, for his hatred toward her was greater than the love which he had for her. And Amnon said to her, Get up and get out. But she said, No, because this wrong of sending me away is worse than the other that you have done to me. But he would not listen to her. Instead, he called his young man, who was his personal servant, and said, now throw this woman out of my presence and boot the door behind her. Now Tamar was wearing a long sleeved robe of various colors. For that is how the virgin daughters of the king dressed themselves in robes. Then Amnon's personal servant took her out and booted the door behind her. So Tamar put dust on her head in grief and tore the long sleeve robe which she had on. And she put her hand on her head and went away crying for help. So her brother Absalom saw, said to her, Has your brother Amnon been with you? But now keep silent, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this matter to heart. So Tamar remained secluded in her brother Absalom's house. All right, so I want to end here. It goes on and on to the verse 37. But the key point is, in the scripture that we just read yeah so looking at the scripture if you listen very carefully from the beginning we saw how the bible spoke of amnon the bible said he was in love with her but we, we know that this wasn't actually love the msg mix um used the word obsessed she he was obsessed with Tamar. So it wasn't love that Amnon had for her, but actually it was just, he just wanted to have his will with Tamar. And that was the end of it. It wasn't life. It actually was love. We know that 
the boundaries of love doesn't have an end or love is not time bound that is agape love yeah but we know that after the incident um the bible said the love that amno had for tamar became or he hated her with much greater heat than the love that he had for her in the beginning yeah so other words that we use for this type of attitude is obsession or infatuation so we know from the beginning that amno did not love tamar but actually he was obsessed with tamar and what he had in his heart was lust and not love and we know that he used the sitful means to lure tamar by reason of the advice that he got from his friend so i talked about how friendship is very important in our lives and we know that i'm known from the scripture i'm known forced tamar to lie with him because he was stronger than her and in the course of the incident tamar made a suggestion that Amnon should speak to David as the king because David would allow him to marry her as Tamar. But I think at that point Amnon had gone too far into the last thing. He couldn't think through that suggestion. So all that he wanted to do was have his way with Tamar. So he just went on. But we know from scripture that um, when we read Genesis chapter 20 verse 12, we know that marrying half sisters was not a crime. So from that scripture Genesis chapter 20 verse 12 we know that Abraham married his half sister that was Sarah or Sarai yeah so that was a very good um, point that Tamar is that if actually you love me you can speak to the king so that I'll be giving to you as a wife but because Amnon did not love her actually but it was actually a um, lust that he had in his heart just loved that suggestion and then went on to do whatever he wanted to do so from the scripture we know that everything points out that Amnon did not love Tamar but he just wanted to have his way with her and after it all the love that he had for Tamar just vanished into thin air so it's very very important and we can use this as a plumb line for our life so sometimes maybe you see a lady as a guy or as a lady you see a guy and maybe you think that you love the guy but if you able to sit down and then assess and check what is actually going on maybe what you have in your heart will not be love but maybe be lust yeah now you know that what you have in this lust for example you know that you are going to be obsessed with the person that is in question and you would want to do something uh last is selfish yeah so we know that love gives but last for last is selfish it just wants something for itself and that's all so we see that after Amnon had his way with Tamar he hated her more than the love that he had for her yeah so we can use this to cross a single incident you can do whether you what you have in this love Well, last if what you want is just for your selfish case then you know that what you have is not love but it's actually lust and we have a typical example of the king that was reigning at that time that is David and his incident with Bathsheba but because of the going to that scripture so David saw Bathsheba 
and he had his way with her and went on to kill her husband that was Uria. And it's quite fascinating because David we know as a man after God's own heart. And when you look at the cruel means with which he took Bathsheba and then killed Uria, it, it's quite amazing. Yeah, but that is what lust can do. So always to repoint yourself, it will always lead you to have selfish gains. You are going to do things that you are going to regret afterwards. So it's very, very important that we get to understand last so that we can keep it out of our lives anytime we see it cropping into our hearts. All right. So quickly, I want us to move to the next case study as we are hard pressed by time. And, and that is the love case study. And that is centered on Jacob. So we find that scripture in the book of Genesis chapter 29, verse 1 to 20. Yeah, let me add this before I move on. Um, so when you read the scripture up to the end, that's the one second Samuel chapter 13. And you get to know that after the incident, David got to know about it, even though he got angry. The Bible said he never punished Amnon. And this hurts Absalom. That was the sister of Tamar. So after two years, Absalom plotted um, something and then he used that to kill Amnon. That was after two years, yeah. So that was where the last of Amnon took him to. It took him to his grave. So last is not a very good thing. Yeah, it leads to a whole lot of complications. All right, let's move to the book of Genesis chapter 29, verse 1 to 20. All right, I'm reading from the Amplified Version. It says, then Jacob went on his way and came to the land of the people of the east near Haran. As he looked, he saw a well in the field and three flocks of sheep lying there resting beside it because the flocks were watered from that well. So Jacob said to them, my brothers, where are you from? And he said, we are from Haran. So he said to them, do you know Liban, the grandson of Nahor, Abraham's brother? They replied, we know him. And he asked them, is it well with him? And they said, he is doing well. Look, here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the sheep. Jacob said, look, the sun is still high overhead. And it is a long time before the flocks need to be gathered in their food for the night. Water the sheep and go and return them to their pasture. But they said, we cannot live until all the flocks are gathered together. And the shepherds rolled the stone from the mouth of the well. Then we water the sheep. While he was speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. When Jacob saw his cousin Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother and Laban's sheep, he came up and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and watered the flock of Laban, his uncle. So this was when Jacob had run away from his house after he had cheated his brother Esau for the blessings of their father. So he came to Laban, that was his uncle, to seek refuge. And I want to ask if you got something here before we continue. Let me read from the Message Bible, the verse 8. It says, we can't, they said, not until all the shepherds get here. It takes all of us to roll the stone from the well, not until then. 
can we water the flocks? Yeah, so there was a well there that the shepherds used to draw water from and then give them to their sheep. And the stone was very large, such that all the shepherds had to gather so that they can roll the stone to get. But okay, let's continue with it. This is verse 9. While Jacob was in conversation with them, Rachel came up with her father's sheep. She was the shepherd. The moment Jacob spotted Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, saw her arriving with his uncle's sheep, he went and single-handedly rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and watered the sheep of his uncle Laban. Yeah, so we know from the previous scripture that the stone was very large and then it took all the shepherds to roll the stone away. But when I read the scripture here, it says, when Jacob saw Rachel, he single-handedly rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well. And this is very interesting because I don't know what happened when Jacob saw Rachel, but the Bible said that as soon as he saw her, he single-handedly rolled the stone away. So I don't know where Jacob got all the strength from to roll that stone away from the mouth of the world. Yeah, so that's just by the way. Let's continue. And it is interesting to know the things that love can be cured to. All right, so the verse 10. So that was after he had rolled the stone away. I'm reading from the amplified version. Verse 11, it says, Then Jacob kissed Rachel in greeting, and he raised his voice and wept. Yeah, so um, in the Jewish custom, kissing was a way that they used to greet. Yeah, we know that Jesus Christ was betrayed by Judas with a kiss. Yeah. So it says, then Jacob kissed Rachel in greeting, and he raised his voice and wept. And this is quite fascinating because I don't know what made um, Jacob with other scriptures or versions say that he broke into tears and I don't know it's, it's amazing because I don't know if the beauty of Rachel was so much that I just don't know what made him broke into tears but it's quite amazing <laughs> okay verse 12 see, Jacob told Rachel who was her father's relative Rebecca's son and she ran and told her father it is when Liban heard of the arrival of Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced and kissed him and brought him to his house. Then he told Liban all these things. Then Liban said to him, You are my bone and my flesh. And Jacob stayed with him a month. Then Liban said to Jacob, Just because you are my relative, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what should your wages be? Now Liban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you as a hired workman for seven years in return for the privilege of marrying Rachel, your younger daughter. Verse 19, Laban said, It is better that I give her in marriage to you than give her to another man. Stay and work with me. So Jacob served for seven years for the right to marry Rachel, but it seemed like only a few days to him because of the love for her. Amen. Yeah, so the verse 20 is very interesting. It's amazing. It says, He served 
the band for seven years and it seemed like only a few days to him because of the love that he had for her. All right, so this is a scripture that talks about, oh, I want us to use as the case study for love. So from the beginning, we saw oh, some of the important skills that we can take from the scripture and actually know that Jacob indeed loved Rachel. The first one is that the first time Jacob saw Rachel, he showed Rachel a kind gesture. And what did he do? He, he moved the stone at the well of or at the mouth of the well away so that they could water their sheep. And as I said, that is fascinating because the scripture said that you need you needed men to come together or the shepherds to come together so that they rode the stone away from the mouth of the well. But Bible says that when Jacob saw Rachel, it looks like he became energized at that moment and he single-handedly rode the stone away from the mouth of the world. And I said it's, it's very interesting that it's thing that people do or we can do because of love. And if my memory sets me right, I think there's a book or I think a movie with a title thing that we do for love or so. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's very interesting. As soon as you saw Rachel, you moved that stone away for her so that they could water their sheep. And I was said he broke into tears just because of the beauty of Rachel. And I think when we go to heaven, one of the people I would want to see is Rachel because I want to imagine the kind of appearance that Rachel had that would make Jacob break into tears by just sitting here at the first spot. All right, the next point that we know or we can draw from the scripture and know that Jacob had love for Rachel, that Jacob was patient. Yeah, Jacob did not use any cunning means or any forceful means to get Rachel. He had to pass through the right channels. So from the verse 17, we know that um, Liban said he had to or he cannot stay with him without working for nothing. So he stayed with um, Liban for one month and I'm sure he was doing a lot of work. So I'm sure because Rachel was in the house, Jacob would have to wake up very early in the morning and even do stuff that they had not asked him to do. That was for about a month. So when Liban saw that, he said, this cannot continue. You have to be paid for the work that you are doing. Yeah, so he was asked about his wages, that what would you want for his wages of the work that you'll be doing? And he said he would work for seven years for Rachel. So as we've studied earlier from the book of First Corinthians chapter 13, the first attribute that Apostle Paul speaks of is that love is patient. Yeah, so Jacob had to work for seven years for him to have the right for Rachel to be given to him, his son to be given to him in marriage. Yeah. So we know that Jacob was actually in love. Jacob had love for her because he was patient to wait for seven years. And even the seven years, the Bible said that they were like this before him. Yeah. So as he was going on with his work day in and day out, before he realized the days are turning into weeks, the weeks into months, months into years. And before he knew the seven years was over. Yeah. So we know that Jacob actually loved Rachel because he was patient. And the next point that makes us understand that Jacob actually loved Rachel 
was that Jacob paid the price. So the price for Rachel was to work for seven years. And Jacob actually agreed to it and paid the price. And in all this while, Jacob never, he didn't have anything to do with Rachel, even though they were in the same house. They got to see themselves day in and day out. But there was nothing of that sort spoken about the two of them. Yeah, so he had to pay the price. And when he had finished paying the price, he got to have what he desired. Even when you read the scripture, when you continue from the restaurant, you get to know that he was actually cheated by his uncle. And then so he had to work for another seven years. So instead of having Rachel, he was giving Leah. That was the first daughter of Leba. So after a week, he was giving Rachel and then he had to work for another seven years so that he could have both of them. Yeah. So the point I want to emphasize on was that he paid the price. He did what he had to do. That was work for seven years and get Rachel. And he did that diligently and he got the price. Even though they were in the same house, nothing evil was spoken about the two of them. Yeah, because they could have done anything that they had wanted to do because they were in the same house. So this makes us know that Jacob was actually in love with Rachel. And he went through the right processes to get Rachel. So it's very important that we get to understand so if any man or any woman, well, let me let me talk about the men here. Anyone who says he loves a lady, you have to understand that you need to pay the price. Yeah, so in some cultures, we have the dowry price or the bride price that you have to pay. And you have to go through that. But it's quite the opposite in our world today. Because if someone sees a lady or uh, a lady sees a guy and they think they are in love. They just go on to do whatever they want to do without going through the right processes. Especially the guy, you are supposed to pay the price before you can have access to the woman. But that is not so in our world, yeah. But if you love a lady, then the proof of your love will be that like Jacob, you have to be patient with the lady and you have to pay the price so that you can have access to the lady. Yeah. So we, we can compare these two scriptures between Amnon and then Jacob. You know how Amnon treated Tamar. First of all, he was selfish. He was impatient. He just wanted to have his way with Tamar. And then he did that. And we know that the replication for him was death. After two years, he got killed by his brother Absalom. But Jacob he was patient. He paid the price and then he had access to what he wanted yeah. so these are the two case studies for love and then lust and i believe we've got the distinction between the two yeah so quickly i want us to run through the last topic for today that's the antidote to lust yeah so we know that we can easily fall gullible to lust so what are the things that we can do to prevent lust from creeping into our hearts so the first antidote to lust when we talk about antidotes, I'm talking about the ways to prevent lust from our lives. Yeah. So the first thing that you're supposed to do is that you have to be in Christ. And I want us to see that from the book of Romans chapter 13, verse 14. The Bible says that, But clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its proper desires. 
let me read the King James. It says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the last thereof. So we know that if we want to keep last or we want to prevent last from our lives, the Bible is saying that we have to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And how do you put on the Lord Jesus Christ? You have to um, accept Jesus Christ into your heart. And that is the only way. You are going to get salvation and after that we know that you have put on jesus christ that is you come under the the shadow or the influence of jesus christ and that is the first the most important way that we can know that you are going to care blast this is after you have put on christ you have to make no provision for the flesh so after you come or you become a christian that is not the end it is your responsibility to Make sure that you don't give last a chance in your life. That is, you don't create conditions or opportunities for last to thrive. Yeah, and this is something that is becoming a canker in our Christian circles because most of the times when we become Christians or even as we mature, when we get to um, taste of the giftings of the spirit when we get taste of the anointings of the Lord we begin to think that we are above our fleshly desires but that is not the case once we are clothed still in the tabernacle of this earthly temple we have to know that we are still going to form or are still going to be subject to its desires but the Bible says that we should make no provision. That is something that you have to consciously and actively do. Paul said that I beat my body or I put my body under subjection. Yeah. So it's not just about being in Christ, but it's a conscious effort that you have to put in to make sure that you, you put your body under subjection or you beat the body, you discipline the body so that it does not have that ability to crave for its last four desires. Yeah, because in a Christian circles, we are going to find maybe an anointed man and we'd have to be doing counseling in a lonely room with women and it's like you are setting yourself up yeah the fact that you're anointed doesn't mean that you don't have fleshly desires yeah so the bible is saying that don't make provision don't say that you're going to pray with a lady in a room somewhere or in a dark place like we just create some opportunities that help these things to thrive maybe after exam you say you want to go and watch a movie with your friend or your colleague in his room his room uh, his room is around and yeah you are just creating the or you are conditioning yourself for last tribe so bible is saying that you have to put up christ and also make sure that we don't make any provision for the flesh so that the last would not drive then the second scripture is in the book of galatians chapter 5 verse 24 bible says and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Verse 25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Yeah, so here is looking at us understand the access that we have by reason of we being crucified with Christ. That even in that process, we crucified the flesh. So our flesh has been crucified with Christ. So as I said, when you come to Christ, that is, you get access to the legal point of it. That's legally you are free from the fleshly desires, but actively or vitally, the desires are still there. You are still living in that flesh. That is where making a provision for the flesh comes in. 
the verse 25 talks about we living in the spirit and also walking in the spirit i think the same thing is spoken of in the verse 16. he said then i say walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the last of the flesh for the flesh lasted against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these two are contrary one another so that ye cannot do the things that ye would so the bible is admonishing us here that another way to remove lust from our lives is about working in the spirit yeah not just living in the spirit but also working in the spirit as being led by the spirit as the bible says that as many as are led by the spirit of god they are the sons of god yeah so when you allow the holy spirit to direct your life you know that definitely you are not going to fulfill the last of the flesh because the verse 17 says that the flesh lasted against the spirit that's both of them are against each other so at any point in time if you are not working in the spirit then you are working in the flesh if you are not working in the flesh then you are working in the spirit so the bible is encouraging us that we should walk in the spirit and we are not going to fulfill the last of the flesh that we should allow ourselves to be led by the holy spirit and by so doing, we will know or we will overcome the flesh the last point i want to talk of is in the book of second timothy chapter 2 verse 22 and in that scripture the bible admonishes us to run away from fleshly desires yeah the bible was very clear and emphatic that we should run away from beautiful desires Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. It says, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Driving's head run, but the Bible says flee. Yeah, so another way to make sure that you are taking lust out of your life is fleeing. Yeah, because oh, we can see the typical example in the incident between Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Joseph had to run away and leave his coat with Potiphar. Because in such a situation, um, that is not where you are going to show that you are anointed or something. You can't say that, oh, I can look at it and then nothing is going to happen to me. The Bible was emphatic that we should flee from these desires. Because our bodies, well, the flesh has not been built, doesn't have the capacity to withstand such temptations. So the Bible admonishes us to run or flee so that we can make sure that we do not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Yeah. So it's very important that we get to understand these things and know that when we do these things, we are actually going to curb and remove lust away from our lives. So I would like to end here and allow my friends to come in with their commentaries. Thank you very much. God bless you. God bless you too. God bless you so much for the expose. The difference between lust and love. And we would just like each and everyone to take that responsibility up to go back and look at the two stories we have considered. Amnon and Tamar and Jacob and Rahel or Rachel and find out that which category do you belong to? There is this interesting meme I once saw. Um, a doctor interviewing a patient who was a lady and he asked the patient that what is wrong with you and the patient was like nothing is wrong with me as in everything is okay 
and mem in the mem the doctor replied and said that i am not your husband i am your doctor meaning this is not the place for you to come and hide and cover up things so that in attempt for me to find out i have to question you and peruse and do investigations no that the main or the first step in every diagnosis is for you to open up is for honesty so honestly evaluate yourself honestly evaluate if you're in a relationship or if you're married or if your heart is telling you that it likes a particular lady you have your spine when you are planning <laughs> mercy and ask yourself are you under amnon or you are under jacob so before we pray we invite abna to give us a commentary abna okay so i don't i wanted to ask a question so um when benjamin was talking when he was talking about jacob and rachel he kept saying jacob was in love with you rachel yeah and i wanted to ask like could he like i don't say define that kind of love like was it eros or it was agape because in my opinion i believe eros alone is not enough to defeat lust i think that to be able to overcome the pressures of lust and all that you need to be able to love with the agape love thank you so it's a question please and a submission as well okay so if i heard you right you want to know whether jacob's love was eros or agape Yeah, so when I was speaking uh, after I read the scripture, I give us cues from the scripture that showed that the love that Jacob had was actually agape love. I talked about Jacob being patient, and I even said in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the first attribute that Apostle Paul spoke about was that love is patient and love is kind. Yeah. So we see the kind uh, the kindness gesture Jacob showed to Rachel that's the first time he met her by rolling away that stone for them to be able to get water from the well and then water their sheep and he was also patient to go through the seven years that he told Laban that he had to work as his wages and then have Rachel given to him as his wife and then I also spoke about him paying the price that's more like he enduring to the end when you read the book of first corinthians it talks about one of the attributes is about uh, love is able to endure all things or love is able to bear things yeah so i was trying to draw these points first to know that the love that jacob had was actually agape love not any eros or any other kind of love any love that we are talking about here is about the agape love yeah So I don't know if your question has been answered. Thank you. Yes, please. Thank you very much. All right. So I think I agree with Ben just that if you are going to be a little bit technical, agape love is the love that the Holy Spirit sheds abroad in our hearts. So technically speaking, Jacob was not infilled with the Holy Spirit, so he could not show agape love in its truest sense. But then I think or what we want to put across is that Jacob demonstrated a similar characteristics or the characteristics is similar to agape. So Jacob if I should say demonstrated or gave us a shadow. We know the Old Testament are made up of shadows, types, prophecies and promises. Or let's just say the Old Testament made up of shadows and types. 
the Old Testament made up of shadows and type. So Jacob's love towards Rachel is a shadow of the agape, the type of love God is expecting us to show towards people. And that's what he wants you to really examine. And as we said in our first series for the year, I'll keep reminding us that you need to have or you need to lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness in order to receive God's word. So honestly evaluate your life if you are in a relationship, if you are married, or if your heart tells you there's somebody that you like, evaluate. Are you willing? Will you pass the litmus test of love? Because it's interesting how ladies can be in awkward situations and you ask them about why they are still inside. And they go like, oh, he loves me. When this gentleman is not being kind to you, when this gentleman is not being considerate to you, when this gentleman is not being patient with you, when he's not tolerating you. And as I said, it's an all-rounded affair. So maybe he may be giving you gifts. That alone is not enough to show that he's kind. He must treat you with respect. He must treat you with dignity. He must consider you. He must not abuse you in any way. So the fact that maybe on your birthday he takes you out or once a month he takes you out and says, oh, he is kind. When he's abusing you, when he doesn't respect when he's not patient with you, when he's like, I'm not, he's just obsessed about getting something from you, then you should be honest with yourself to know that you are in a wrong situation. But then, this can only happen when you have laid aside all filthiness and superfluity of nothingness to know that you are walking in Amnon's love, not Jacob's love. And we pray that God will help us and grant us the grace to do that. So we want to just spend some time in prayer. We just want to meditate on what we have learned so far, even as we ponder it in our hearts about the characteristics of God's love. That love suffers long. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love bears all things. Love hopes all things. Love believes all things. Love believes the good in people. Evaluate yourself even as you speak to the Holy Spirit in your heart. And ask yourself, Father, please reveal to us the aspect of our love that is for that has fallen short. We may believe in people, but we don't tolerate people. We may hope all things, but we are not kind and considerate. We just want to tell God in the secret of our heart that Father, show me where I need to work on, where I need to yield more to the Holy Spirit. I don't want a love with holes in my life. I don't want a deformed love, but I want to bear that full fruit of love. The love that Jesus demonstrated for us, the love that Jesus loved us with, and the love Brother Paul has opened us up to in 1 Corinthians 13. Father, grant us the grace to love just as Jacob loved Rachel. Grant us the grace to flee away from every unknown type of love in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for being with us and God bless you even as you continue to join us every week as we continue our study. And we pray that through our discussions, through our sharing with you God's word, you are subjecting yourself to the renewal of your mind. Renew your mind. And we pray that even as you avail yourself, the Holy Spirit will impact onto you grace to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only, deceiving no one else but yourself. Remember to give God your very best in this new month, in this year, and make sure that you owe no man nothing but a Jacob kind of love. See you next week, even as we look at another aspect of love. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh
This heart 